Is it going to be weird that we sound like we're out of breath coming into this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope not. We were just taking massive Norchits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the excuse. Absolutely. While walking up four flights of steps, because yes. you know, we have to, we have to get cardio as we smoke. What if we're just fat dudes? Fuck. Just out of breath, sitting down. Then, then we're Americans. I'm proud to be American man where my diabetes is free. You know what's interesting is, uh, you know, the the conception that, uh, or the per- perception, I guess is the word I'm thinking of, that m- most Americans are overweight. And I think we talked about this one time early in the podcast about the perception being different from the reality. I don't know what it's like now, but when I was paying, I guess I, when I was paying attention to people in that way, where I'm looking at people's bodies and that sort of stuff, I think the older you get, the less you do that. And I really didn't notice, at least where I live, that people were on average out of shape. I think what I, and maybe, maybe I just wasn't looking in that area or anything like that, but I'm sure the stat, the statistics would not be in my favor when it comes to the assessment of the health of the average American, but doesn't seem like maybe cause I hang out at the gym all the damn time. Or cause you're in Arizona. Maybe I don't know what area, like I live in the deep South, man. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of overweight people. Yeah, <laughs> It's, it's a, uh, you know, it's, do you think that's more of the Southern diet cultural sort of thing? And in fact, that oh, everything in the South is hella fried. Everything in the South is hella just greased up tough there's grease like and butter man grease from like three years ago on the stove it's it's absolutely a southern thing i mean i know there's obesity all over the country um but what's your favorite south. southern dish i mean you've been down in the south now Ooh, uh part of me wants to go classic and say i'm a big fan of jambalaya but honestly fried okra is winning me over damn fried okra dude fried okra is so fucking good Okay, okay. A mine would be big fan. biscuits and gravy. I, I think mean, that's classic. That's classic. I, uh, I've been going to this vegan soul food restaurant a lot because uh, I, I like it. I like the mission for it. Okay. Um, it was started by this guy in New Orleans who he's just like, I grow up and all these people I know got into horrible health situations because of their diets. And I just want to find a way to make it a little more healthy and a, a little less dangerous for you to consume regularly. So I do support that mission. It was started by some, it was started by a local. It's not like it was San Francisco invading the South. They've done a really good job with it and they have the best fucking dishes, man. Interesting. How often do you go there? Not that like I go, I, I can comfortably say at least once a month, Okay. but maybe, maybe like once every other week when I'm really feeling it. Yeah. Also really good prices. Like, <laughs> Like you're, you're fucking stuffed if you pay 11 bucks. Yeah. I'm coming to terms the fact I'm coming to terms with the fact that I really, really like seafood. And so if I was in the South, I would look for Southern dishes that had like shrimp and, you know, crab and, um, you know, fucking prawn and all, you know, all those different things that you would get in a lot of those Southern like gumbo dishes and stuff like that. So you'd be at home in new Orleans, man. Yeah, you'd be man. right at home in new Orleans. Oh, I'm coming out to see you, bro. Are you kidding me? You got me? to, you got I'm to. We, coming out. We got to buy some more properties here, man. I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying to play monopoly. Okay. And we can't flip the board because it's, it's land. <laughs> so we, so we got to win. 
So let me ask you this question, because, you know, you, you've talked about being a landlord now. So I'm assuming that you can actually talk about something like this on on the show, just in the general context. Uh, but what's what's that feel like right now? I mean, what are your initial thoughts in this part of your business life? I'm fucking lucky because my tenant is like the ideal tenant doesn't complain, pays on time, uh, treats the property well. Uh, oh, you mean they were raised well? I don't know if he was raised well. I just mean he's a good tenant. <laughs> I will so, if, you ta- if you take care of the stuff that you're renting and you don't throw shit, you know, you don't you destroy shit and you actually pay your rent on time, sounds like you had someone that actually put some form of values in you. Like, hey, man, you may not be the perfect person. Don't be an asshole. Well, he, I think he also, it's a, it's a two-way street. And I feel like he also knows that he's getting a good deal. Like I'm charging him 200 bucks per month less than the next closest rent on the block. Oh, okay. So I think he knows that he's getting a good deal um, and he doesn't want to fuck that up. And he's been there for a little while and you know, it's, he's comfortable, he doesn't want to move out. So it is a bit of a two-way street. I know some tenants are fucking nightmares, but I also know some landlords can be shitheads. That's true, that's true. I mean, hell, Donald Sterling, famous slumlord property owner, right? Yeah. And that reputation will precede you if you are getting into real estate or you are getting into that line of, of work or business and people find out like, Hey man, that's a shitty landlord. That, that word's going to get around and you're going to attract people who don't care that you're shitty because they're shitty. Yeah. And so that becomes a bit of a two way street. So I do completely yeah. agree with you on that. Um, I, I think you can, it can be one way you can have a shitty, you can have a tenant that did everything right. And the landlord is just shitty and it sucks. And you can have a, uh, I don't know why I just said right there. I'm a little stone, but you can invert that and uh, and have the exact same situation both right. ways. Yeah, because you can have the nice person who's good to the tenant who wants to return and reciprocate that back to the the landlord. Right? Hey, man, you were you were cool on me during the pandemic. You know, I I I didn't. I, you know, I lost my job, and you were cool. You you cut me a break, but I still paid you something. So here's a little extra this month, and here's a little extra that month. Or you know, I'm gonna make sure that you know you, you don't have to give me back my security deposit when I move out, or something in that nature. Where it's like you look out for me, I look out for you. Even though people are in a business relationship, that is a symbiotic relationship of two people with interests that need to be met by each other. And if they're not, then that's not the symbiotic business relationship that you should be in. And it just for a lot of people who have the mistrust of business and investors and and people who are property owners and stuff like that, I don't know if a lot of it is warranted outside of the normal suspicions you would have of people with bad business practices. But if you do right by people and you you take care of the people you're supposed to, I think those people are going to turn around and say, hey, you know what? That person looked out for me. I'm going to make sure I look out for them. It just feels better. You don't have that karmic debt that you have to pay because you've let left that bad energy. So I also think we need to have like real estate education be more at the forefront or at least more readily accessible because it is something that should at the very least, I don't want to say should be for everyone, but it's, it's not the worst decision in the world for people looking to, I don't know, gain equity in their life. I agree. Uh, um, one of the first people that I ever knew owned a home, did it very early in, in her life. And I think she's reaping the rewards now because she did it so early. Um, so it's never too late to get in because if you plan on taking care of yourself, we were you know, talking about that earlier, you should plan on living a pretty long life and having that asset in your, in your 
inventory for an extended amount of time, especially if in this age, the market is so hot that rental properties are now replacing, I think, the, the buying and the selling of just, let's say, flips and, and uh, people just buying and trying to, to outbid first time home buyers and all that type of stuff. So it's a crazy market out there when it comes to property and you know to hear it from a landlord's mouth directly what that feels like and how that experience is i think it's great for people who you know may not have seen or heard that side of you well it's 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 a nice it's nice to make a little extra money every month for one and um as far as expenses are concerned like unless the house starts falling apart um that's what sucks about being a landlord taking on the risk of if the house starts falling apart, you have to pay to fix it or, yeah. or pay the labor hours to fix it. Um, but if, if things are going smoothly, um, my monthly expenses have only gone up by like a hundred bucks by moving from a rental to a property I own. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a cutting back on weed budget amount of money. Like it's nothing. Yeah, seriously. It's like, yeah, I'll buy in bulk. I'll just yeah. buy weed on sale whenever they sell it for the ounce. I'll just wait. Exactly. Or I'll, I'll, I get, I get, I have like a rewards card now at this, at this place. So, you know, I'll just make sure I'm saving up enough money and getting the rewards on my, on my Delta eight product. Shout out Asia Well. And I, edit. yeah, shout out Asia Well. <laughs> um, also, can we talk about how weirdly the time is that we are in, that we are talking about now having like gift cards for dispensaries and shit? Oh, it's a beautiful time. It's a fucking beautiful time. And I think the next rocket to get launched in the space is also going to have like uh, cannabis in the bottom. It's just like a jet engine lighting a shit ton of joints. It's getting the world high. It's going to be some cannabis billionaire. Please make it look like boobs. Please make it look like boobs, Chef Bezos. Du Please dual make it rockets. Look like boobs. I hope it's his wife that does that one. I, 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 hope, I hope his wife is just like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to we're gonna send some titties in the space. I, I hope they're two elongated breast-like shapes to get launched into space i can see it well you want you want it to be because like the last thing you want is for it to just look like a scrotum you want it to be yeah. very clearly exactly because if he Ooh. launches a dick and two balls into space we fucked <laughs> <laughs> we fucked up like you gotta you, you you gotta diversify a little bit on the what you're sending into space man yeah so, I love how some people are like, guys, all all rockets look like dicks. Okay, you're over exaggerating. And then they open the link. It's like, nope, that's a giant penis. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no way around. Well, what's crazy is, is like, we're gonna get to a point also where instead of launching things into space, we're going to like build things in space. I think the next space station will be built. In fact, I think we built that space station in space, right? Or we launched the space, the pieces into space. We put it together up there. We launched Legos into space and had, yeah. and had kids up there to snap them in place. But I think what's going to happen in the future is we're going to create, we're going to launch the building blocks for that into space and then build ships that don't have the stress of gravity. And you can reinforce that because maybe the stress of just being in a gravitational, closer to a gravitational body put strain on maybe the steel or the alloy that you're using in some way. And then you basically could do it to where if you're in a zero G environment, you can create a super special type of alloy that now can, can withstand, you know, quantum or, or, you know, near FTL type jumps. 
at, at, that, at that type of speed, you might be able to deal with some of the, the radiation that you might deal with cosmic rays or micrometeorites you might come across. I just think it's funny that Jeff Bezos said, because I, I don't know how to respond to that. I, I, I'm not sure I can, I, can, I can wrap my head around what you're saying, but I don't know any science behind that. And I was just thinking as you were talking about what Jeff Bezos said about space of how he wants to um, sort of what you're saying and build things in space. Mm -hmm. He wants to move the high pollutant um, jobs into space. And while I see the logic of that, can you imagine a less depressing job than like, where do you work? Oh, I work in a steel mill. Oh yeah, <laughs> let me tell you this, you're getting relocated. You're working the exact same job, but in space, away from your family. And you have to live here and work 24 seven on call. Well, okay. First, the question I have is, how much you paying me? Oh, it needs to be a gigantic. Like it needs to be. Like, by the way, when you come back to Earth, you're going to be a multimillionaire. Yeah, because I was going to say, if you're talking about a, a still a capitalistic society, and I have a choice to be able to say, okay, I'll take on that labor and and that job for that amount of price. I can set my own price. So you'll pay me fifty million dollars for two years of mining in on the moon. Is that what you're telling me? Or they're just going to send prisoners up there. One of the two. It's it's either going to make the next generation of like incredible pensions and retiring as millionaires, or it's going to be prisoner work. But the prisoners are going to produce shitty work. They're not going. Can to you imagine there. a prison in space? Like how fucked up? Like Oof. if that's like for, okay, for the ultra the criminals. How about a prison on the moon? I could totally see that. Like you, okay. If we outlawed the death penalty, but had prison on the moon, where it was like, if you got sent to the prison on the moon, you were never coming back to Earth. Even if you escaped, you were on the moon. I mean, yeah, security would be real cheap. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, seriously. Except they'd kill the one or two guys that you'd have there every single time, unless you had <laughs> them separated to where they could never have access. They'd kill each other a lot. Or it's robots. Yeah, or it's robots. That's true. But if you Can were you in that planning? prison. The, the conjugal moon. visits on the moon. That's not going to happen. If you're <laughs> sentenced to the moon, you don't get conjugal visits. You don't get one. You don't get conjugal. Maybe from aliens. Uh, if you can prove that you have some marriage to an extra planetary entity that, you know, would constitute your justification for a conjugal visit. Yeah, sure. I'll buy it. Show me the papers. <laughs> Show me the papers that you're married to Miss Neptunian over here, and we'll we'll give you a half an hour on Sunday once a month. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But back to your prison in space idea. Yeah, that's that's a you know if it's a space station prison, you're fucked. If it's a moon base prison, you're fucked. If it's a prison on another planet, you're fucked. If it's a prison in the asteroid field, you're fucked. So anytime you talk about leaving the planet and then creating a, a prison or something like that, it just becomes crazier because of the amount of distance and, and cost it takes to leave the planet. No one's going to negate that cost by bringing you back. Yeah, I mean, you can arguably escape prison and walk the entire length of the country. I, mean, I know it's not like feasible, but it's still possible given an infinite amount of time. And an, infinite, and an infinite amount of energy even as well. Um, not even that, but just saying it for simplicity's sake. But that being said, if you give the exact same circumstance to a prison in space and you escape under no circumstances, can you walk back to earth? Right, yeah. In fact, the idea, the very idea of escaping would be almost repelled by the notion that you're escaping into your death, essentially. It's a type of suicide. You're not just escaping 
in the context of like, okay, you get to escape to the normal world if I blend in the right way. No, 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 no. You escape into a vacuum. So there's that. So I don't know. I don't know how that works. If you were that guy, you're don't get sentenced to the moon, basically. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah, I mean, talk that that's probably the best deterrent I've ever heard of prison acting as a prison in space. Like, don't don't commit any crimes because you'll can you imagine the bedtime stories the parents tell their kids? Don't break the rules or you're gonna get sent to the moon. Yeah, we'll just send you to the moon. That replaces the boogeyman real quick. Yeah. I mean, you have to do something real crazy. Like you have to have real bad paperwork for that. Like you have to do something real bad stuff that prisoners don't even like. I I don't know. Oh, it's a pre- you, well, here's the thing. I don't know if you decide that you are somehow more moral in taking the whole death penalty thing upon yourself and killing this person for doing something heinous. Right. And I know some people are for the death penalty. Some people aren't. And that's a whole nother conversation. Maybe we'll get into that. But if you're not for the death penalty, maybe sending someone to the moon, even if it costs $110,000 to do it, might be worth it. If the person who, who was done, who that was done to felt like, I, I don't want to kill this person, but I will pay $110,000 to send them to the moon, straight up. I want them to not even die on the planet they were born on. That's just that. See, that's an interesting because, like, by all accounts, they're practically dead if they get sent to the moon. I mean, they're no longer on the fucking planet with absolutely zero chance of them ever coming back. Right. But the only people who would have the ability to come back from that moon base are people who work there. And assuming people work there, assuming people work there, it could be a completely automated system. But then what's to stop those people from just, I mean, you could, I, you know, I don't know who's going to clean up the line of suicide bodies of those people with the isolation they're going to have to face. I mean, they, there's going to have to be some form of interaction, even though like they even have people on death row interact with each other. It may be through the walls. It may be. Yeah, through- but this is the fucking moon. <laughs> <laughs> like this is not death row. We're not ju- like, like this is, this is, an ethical philosophical discussion that we have not thought about on this show before. Never. Um, the, like the morals of how you need to treat someone on death row versus the, like how you need to treat someone on moon prison. Well, what are your primary responsibilities as the prison to keep them alive? Right. You're responsible for them being alive. Yeah. But if they die on like, what, what happens if they like, first off, what's where, who, who's accountable if they die? Like, how do people know? <laughs> Um, well, there's obviously a count. Prisoners take counts or, you know, not the prison. But it's but the, the staff. moon prison. It's You're the right. moon prison. So what, do you stop counting once you, you you send a group into space? You say, we don't know how many we sent into space. We just, I just think a- it's easier to fake it once, like, on a moon prison. Like, who's who's going to pay money to, to oversee that? Like, that's such it, – it's, it's one thing to say, like, we don't trust your numbers. We're going to go visit upstate New York. Right. versus we don't trust your numbers. We're going to hop on a rocket ship and go to the moon. So what the hop- hell do you do with the prisoners that you're faking sending to the moon? You're killing them? Oh, no, I think you do really send them to the moon, but I just don't oh, think like, sh- 
but like you know you, you don't care what happens with them to them when they're up there like if they die you're just like oh no they're alive don't worry and then just pocketing the money it's supposed Does, to cost do, to keep do, them alive. The, do the rockets that take them there come back because that is a cost too i'm gonna assume no so you're sending on a one-way trip and the rocket just crashes on the moon? It's a crash landing Oh, my on God. Oh, my goodness. That <laughs> it's, is, it's the worst of the worst. That is horrible. Okay, what? Did, did you think it's like magic school bus? Like Listen, they just crash on the moon? Look, I thought they get rolled up like they do in, you know, in prison where you take a bus and, you know, you, you, or yeah, you basically take a bus to the prison. Is Miss Frizzle driving this bus to the moon? Hey, kids. But we're going to assume that the rocket is a bus and there's, let's say, eight seats of the worst of the worst of the worst of the possible worst bus. that you can't kill, right? You can't, you've already acknowledged that it's, it's unethical to kill them. But if they were to live their life and die, the proper punishment for these people is to say, you can't die on the planet you were born on. That's the punishment. If people say, well, what's the difference between them being in a prison on the moon and what's the difference between them being in a prison on the planet? Simple. You may not care about it, but we do. You don't get to die on this rock like we do. That's something, yeah. if, you, if you treat people well, you get to die on the rock you were born on. Well, one's rehabilitation and one is... Ex Ostra yeah. Yeah, exile exile yeah yeah and it's literally exile from the planet like if, especially this is why i don't like leaving the rocket there because then they're going to salvage parts build another rocket so that they can bring their ass back here and exact revenge like okay well we figured out how to build a rocket we also figured out how to build nanobots that eat through your skin so yeah if they if they can use scrap parts to come back to earth you know that you're fucked yeah, and they might because you give people a lot of time and a lot of isolation to figure out some shit. They're gonna figure it out. The, you are right. I mean, one of the complaints I've seen about like where we are—I hate saying where we are as a society, but where we are just as people—is we're not allowing ourselves to be bored enough. We're constantly distracted and interacting with things on our phone, on TV, on computers um, that we're not allowing our minds to enter that deep state of thought that only happens when you're bored and completely unplugged. I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I mean, I wasn't going to say anything else other than that. I mean, it's we don't allow ourselves enough time to imagine shit anymore because it's like, oh, I'm bored. Pick up phone. And then look, there's news. There's something on Twitter. And I do it like I'm not saying I'm immune to this is either. Uh, it's just it's something I notice. And I wonder, I mean, the next generation probably in the generation that, probably already just it's already been just too much damage. It's too late. I mean, that's why I love Rizza. He's always posting like did you meditate today? Let's meditate. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get into meditation through yoga, but I need to get to the yoga part first. It's so hard. Eh, what came first? The chicken or the egg, man? It's so hard, man. It's you feeling I, healthy. I, I feel healthy, but my body feels like I'm getting, when I do go, when I go do yoga, I feel like I go and get body slammed up and down against the fucking floor and the ceiling for an hour, basically. That's what I feel like afterwards. Like I felt like someone just picked me up, slammed me against the ceiling, slammed me on the floor, slammed me against the ceiling, slammed me on the floor, slammed me, and they did it like four or five times. And then like, all right, you're done. <laughs> so you should just do yoga and BJJ and call it a day. I'm telling you, I might end up doing that. You'll be Superman. But I feel like I still got some push-ups left in me. I still got oh. at least a million push-ups in my life left in me. So. You trying? You trying to to start that next push-up at then? Is that is that was that your segue? Yeah, yeah. Are we almost there? Are we at the end of the show? Oh, I don't, I don't freaking know. I wasn't keeping track. Oh, I just was. Yeah. Uh, I'm just following the train of thought. When you no. say push, when well, you, you say push-ups, sure I assume. 
Well, it's your bet, so go ahead. Um. Okay. Okay. I got this. Who was the first evil ex that Scott Pilgrim fought in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World? Oh shit! I never seen that movie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punt on this because I've never seen that movie. It's all good. Uh, Matthew, Pat- Matthew Patel. God damn it! I mean, I was it's gonna do push-ups anyway, but shit. I was gonna do push-ups anyway, anyway. So, oh. shout out Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Yeah, you got to learn wow. something about a movie that I've never seen before. You should check out the comic too. Is it good? It's interesting. Speaking of comic, you know, I'm almost done with issue zero, Extropy and Entropy, right? Oh, heck yeah. Talk about I talked about my shit on the last podcast. Let's hear about extra, uh, Extropy and Entropy. Or Entropy so, and Entropy. What oh, it's Extropy first? and Entropy. Uh, well, yeah, because it's, you know, we were, we initially, initially, initially was going to do, I the initial idea I had was called Extropy versus Entropy, right? It was. But. I just I changed it to extropy and entropy, and because there it's not a versus story in that way. Like these aren't two opposing, you know, powers or anything like that. It more talks about the relationship between two people from different ideological uh, upbringings and surroundings, and the relationships that those people have formed throughout their lives, informing their decisions on how they handle a a particular event that takes place that shapes the reality around them and to tell to be able to tell a story like i'm trying to tell a story i'm not an author in the traditional sense i'm not a writer in the traditional sense i come from hip-hop but being able to tell a story is something i've always wanted to be able to do and having this the way that we've had it where we've had an artist Shout out to Joseph Arnold, who is one of the best artists I've ever seen. Being able to draw this and pen this and ink this in a way where it brings our characters and our story to life. So um, we're a few pages away from the coloring being done and getting the lettering and everything done. And the issue title will be announced. The Patreon is being built right now. It should be up in a day or so. and we have a lot of plans as to how we want to distribute this particular comic book. So for all the people who are interested in my form of storytelling, I'll say this, the comic book is tying together all of the things that I've talked about in my music, some of the entities and some of the beings that I've talked about. You've heard me mention the astrals and all these different things. Those were references to the comic book story of Extropy and Entropy. So when I did in type, when I was talking about in type one about humanity reaching type one and or, um, you know, the type one, type two beings battling a type three being, that was all references to this reality in which the extropy and entropy comic takes place in. So there's that aspect. And then there's the aspect of distribution, which is like, you know, how people are gonna be able to process this. Well, I'm freaking excited to uh, to get my hands on it, and I'll buy it no matter how you distribute it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll buy ten copies. Yeah. Well, shit. I I would. I'm. I would love to sell you ten copies, but I would also have you rather just have you write for the story. 
Oh, I'll always be there to write for you too, but I'll also buy 10 copies. <laughs> all right, all right. So yeah, that's it for me, man. Uh, you got anything else for the people? Nah, let's just uh, sign off and do our push-ups. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Gray and Gold Podcast. I'm RK Gold. I'm Graydon Square. Peace, Peace, peace.